So this is week three of this series called Missing Peace. And if you can kind of uh, think of it like a puzzle, uh, you have a puzzle, and in the middle of that puzzle, you have a, a missing piece. And that piece right there is, is where Jesus should be, okay? You ever put together a puzzle, <laughs> and you put everything together, and there's one piece missing, and it's like, man, I wasted all this time, okay? Uh, you have this one missing piece. Well, there's many people in their, li- in, in their lives, they, they leave this piece out, not just at Christmas, but they leave the, that piece out um, even throughout their whole lifetime, and they just don't have peace. And I would even dare to say as believers, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there are seasons in our life where we just say, you know what, I'll put myself in there. And that doesn't really work out so well, does it? And so we want to make sure that we keep Jesus there as uh, the center. And, um, and Jesus shared, what does that peace look like? He, he shared in John chapter 14. This is kind of a, a verse that we, that we use throughout this series. John 14, 27. He's talking to his disciples. And this is one of the last things he shares with them. He spent uh, three or more, uh, three or uh, three and a half years with the disciples, and they were able to get an idea of what Jesus is, you know, his actions and how he lived his life. They saw him, how he handled the things that would have rattled them, and even rattled, I mean, Peter, like cutting off people's ears, right? He's like, really, Peter? You, you, need, to, you need to put that down, you know, or, or how they just wanted to take charge and just do something, Right? And so they saw Jesus handle that with his peace. And he says here in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace. And that's important. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is not the peace of the world. Peace of the world is is something where everything is, is going great. Everything is wonderful. We kind of have peace. That's the peace of the world. And you and I both know that just does not last. The peace of God does last. The peace that Jesus gives does last forever. And, uh, and, and that Jesus peace is a peace that the world cannot take away from you. The world cannot take away the peace that Jesus is giving to us. And he told the disciples that, but he's, he's speaking it to us as well. That's why the word of God is preserved. It's alive today. And so that, that verse right there, Jesus is telling you, just put your name in there. I'm giving you peace. Peace I give to you. We just got to accept it. Week one, we talked about the storms of, of Christmas. How Jesus handled some storms, actual storms, okay? And how Mary handled uh, some storms in her life. I mean, like an angel showing up and be like, hey, boom, you're going to be pregnant. You're like, what? What's going on? I mean, that was a major storm, okay? Not married, child out of wedlock kind of thing as, as, as the, the world would see that. And the storm is crazy. And so we saw how Mary responded to that. And what we saw from Mary is a trust in the Lord, worship. She actually wrote a song, okay, when she saw her cousin Elizabeth. She worshiped. We need to do the same thing. And she was content with what God has given to her, okay? In those moments where, where storms are raging, the peace of Jesus is when we can, we can trust in the Lord no matter what. We can still worship with our life, follow him, and then we can be content with all that he has. And then last week, we talked about when plans change. If you know me, I'm a planner. I like to plan. I enjoy planning. It's great. And then when the plans fall apart, I'm like, oh, really? 
Really, and, and, and really, I don't really act like that. I'm, I'm a little bit more, right? Um, but then I kind of get by myself as, all right, how can I have handled that differently? And so I have to pray for the peace of God to come in. But when, when plans change in our life, we think it's an interruption. But as we talked about last week, it's most often an invitation. It's an invitation to do something bigger and, and with more purpose that follows the kingdom of God. And so, like Mary, Mary and Joseph, they had a major interruption in their life. But it wasn't an interruption. It was an invitation to do something uh, pretty big, <laughs> right? To bring in Jesus, the Son of God, into the world and to care for him and to raise him. And so, you may think, oh, this is an interruption. But look at it closer because it could be an invitation. And so, today's message is all about waiting for Peace. It's all about waiting for peace. I don't like to wait, okay? I, I just don't like to wait. And um, I like to be things to be done efficiently and, uh, and on time. And um, meaning I, I like for things to be done in my timeline, okay? And uh, that's just how God created me. And, and when I have to wait, I'm like, really? And it's easy for my flesh to get in the way. If you've ever been in that situation, you've ever been waiting for things in your life, and, and it, it, it could be something that could just crawl under your skin. I mean, simple things like, like the kids waiting for Christmas, okay? Uh, as, as a child, I mean, I'm just waiting. I couldn't sleep at night. I was waiting for Christmas the next morning, and it's like it just couldn't get here fast enough. In fact, that's where we get the phrase, slower than Christmas, because we just have to wait for it. It takes so long. There's some other things we wait for. Wait for our, our tax refund check from the IRS if we get one. Uh, we, we don't like waiting for the, at the post office, especially this year, this time of year. I was at the post office this week. I went to the one in Cartersville, big mistake, always go to the one in Emerson. And uh, I went to the Cartersville one, and it was like a mile long line. And uh, so we had to wait. Uh, we don't like waiting at, uh, for like uh, traffic, okay? Construction right here in Emerson. My goodness, Emerson at, at Old Alabama, 293, what they're doing there. I've been caught in that like five or six times this week. And I was like, why do I forget to go around this, right? And so we don't like waiting for those things. And there's more serious things that we could talk about. Not just some of those things I mentioned. There are more serious things we're waiting for. Like some of you could be waiting for a wayward child to find their way back home. Some of you could be um, married, uh, unmarried couples waiting for your lifelong partner. Maybe you're single and you're waiting for that person, for God to show you who that person is for your life. Or maybe you're, you're a married couple, a young married couple, and you're waiting to be parents, waiting for God to bless you with children. Or maybe you're... Um, your family, and you've got, a, you've got a loved one that could be serving time in, in jail, and you're waiting for that time uh, to end, and just waiting for that to be completed. Or maybe there's children waiting for their fathers to come back and to be part of this, and their, their families to be reunited together. You know, all of those examples are things that, that I even find even within our church and ex extension of our church, and those are real those are real things that we are waiting for. And waiting is not associated with peace. <laughs> it is just, it's just not. 
It's not associated with peace. A season of waiting can often bring anxiety and even some health issues if we allow it, if we allow it to linger in our life. And so you may begin to wonder if, if God is even hearing your prayers or even, if he even knows that you are waiting. It's like, God, really? I mean, can, can you just, can you hear my prayers? Are you even listening to my prayers? My main focus today, today's message, is I want to show you what God is doing while you're waiting. What God is doing while you and I are waiting. And I want to look at this through a couple of lenses. The first lens is through the lens of the Israel nation, the Jews. Uh, The Israels know what it means to wait. For hundreds of years, they waited for the Messiah that God promise. And after he promised it, then came crickets. I mean, not real crickets, but like the sound of crickets. Like nothing was happening, okay? Nothing was happening in the life for a a, a long time. So God's like, hey, I'm going to send you Messiah who's going to redeem you. He's going to do all this stuff. And it's like, great, awesome. And then generations, generations, generations had passed. In fact, we even see this, the promised Messiah. We see it in a lot of places, but one place is Isaiah 7, 14. You can even look at that. Just, uh, Isaiah was a, was a prophet, and uh, he, he put this prophecy there in there, and obviously that came from the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah chapter 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign... And here's the sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay? You may say, well, his name is Jesus. Why didn't you name him Emmanuel? Okay? Um, they gave G- the uh, angel Gabriel told Mary what to call him, but in this prophecy, it's basically a, a, a title. Uh, it's like, you're going to call him God with us. He's going to be known as God with us from heaven walking among us. You know when this prophecy was, was, was written? 700 years before Jesus arrived on the planet. That's a long time. You think the Israelites know what it's like to wait? Yeah. How many of you have ever waited 700 years for something? Yeah. We haven't. And so they have waited for so long. What was God doing while the people were waiting? What was his purpose? What is he doing while you are waiting, while I am waiting? Is he just sort of teasing us? What is God doing while we are waiting? Let me tell you what he's doing while you're waiting. Get this. He's working. He's working while you're waiting. And we're going we're gonna to look to see what he's doing. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 4. Verse 4 through 5. Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 5. Obviously, this is New Testament, okay? And he says, but when the set time had fully come, that's important, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. So there, there is a plan there, okay? There's a plan there. When the, when the time had fully come, when it set, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. In other words, we might be, be adopted into, as children of God, okay? Now, I want to let you know something. We're not all children of God. We're all creation of God. But those who have put their, their faith and hope in Jesus Christ, 
are now joint heirs with Jesus Christ as children of God. We are children of God. If you have accepted Christ as Savior, if you have acknowledged him as Lord in your life, then you are a child of God. And, and so when the time had fully come, God sent his son Jesus to purchase us out of our sinful lifestyle, to redeem us with forgiveness of grace that we no longer children of sin, but instead of that, we're children of the Most High. Another biblical translation of this, of this the time had fully come, um, it, it says this, but when the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. This, this literally means, in the Greek, uh, a, a, when the time became fully pregnant. When the time had, had been full, when the time had been pregnant, as someone who's watched my wife give birth multiple times, um, I, I know what this means. <laughs> when the time had fully come to be pregnant, okay? Um, when, when it's not time, you can't force it, <laughs> okay? We, we tried that with our first child. She was, she was supposed to be you know, due on a certain date on January 6th. We started inducing her January 5th. No, 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 we're not doing that. We're going to wait till the day that I'm supposed to be here. And it was Jan- January 6th. And um, so when it's not time, you can't force it. And, and when it is time, you can't stop it. Okay? The two, the two kids after that, water broke. Like weeks before. It's like, oh, it's time. Let's go. And, um, and the, with the second child, the, the room wasn't ready, the nursery wasn't ready, and that was all my fault. But that's a whole other sermon uh, that I'll preach during my uh, marriage series, right? Um, but, but you cannot force that thing to happen. It's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. At the perfect moment, God sent his son. And we look back, we can see exactly why God waited for the perfect time. Again, while you're waiting, God's working. While Israel was waiting, God was working. And so we're going to look back in, in, in a period of 400 years. We're going to see what was happening. Have you ever wondered what happened between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Right? I mean, it's, it's not in here. I mean, there, there's 400 years. 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. What happened? What happened between the last prophet, Malachi, spoke his word, and the birth of Jesus? What happened? And that period is called the inter... Um, Intertestamental period, intertestamental period, inter between the New Testament, the Old Testament, New Testament. Between that, what is going on? And so, I'm mean, going to look at five things that we know happened during that period, and it proves that God was working while the Israelites were waiting. The first thing we see is. Alexander the Great comes onto the scene. Have you ever heard of Alexander the Great? Yeah, of course you have. Alexander the Great conquered the entire world in 12 years. 
12 years. Conquered the entire world. Now, when you conquer the entire world, you get the word great in front of your name. <laughs> okay, or after your name. Alexander the Great. Now, there have been people who, who are the goat. Okay, Michael Jordan, he's, he's the greatest of all time, right? I mean, some people say maybe LeBron, but I, he's, he's my guy, right? Michael Jordan, he's the greatest of all time, okay? And, but, you know, the only thing he did was dunk a basketball. Did he conquer the world? No. He might be the goat, but he's not the great. He is not the great compared to someone like Alexander the Great. Now, why is this significant? And here's the reason why. For the first time in history, the first time in history, we have a common language established. In those days, almost everyone spoke um, a little Greek because Alexander the Great conquered the world and spread their Greek language all across the world. Okay? So we have a, we have a common language. Okay? The second thing is this. The Old Testament was translated into, guess what? Greek. The Old Testament was translated into Greek. So the Old Testament was written in, in Hebrew, the language of the Jews. And so the Jews, were, was able, they were able to read, you know, the Torah. It was part in, in, the, in the prophets and the Psalms and, 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 and those books. But, but no one else could really read it or understand it unless they learned Hebrew. And so with Alexander the Great, you have this common language. And for the first time, the Old Testament was translated into Greek. Something that everyone spoke. That is very important within that period, that 400 years. Again, while they're waiting, God's working. The third thing we have. We have the introduction of the Socratic method. The Socratic method is a new way of learning that emerged for the first time. Instead of teaching with one-way communication, people were encouraged to ask questions. And they learned by asking instead of just by hearing. This is actually how the great philosopher Socrates taught his students. The Socratic method who introduced this. You need to ask questions. And that's how you learn. Something new in that period. The next thing we have, number four, we have the arrival of Rome. Arrival of Rome. This is very, uh, after Rome conquered the world at that time, obviously later after Alexander the Great, closer to when Jesus came. In fact, in, in 63 BC, they conquered the Greeks. And and. And in this time, ushered in an, an amazing, unprecedented amount of peace. And so, the, the Romans didn't really fight. I mean, after they conquered the Greeks, they're like, all right, what do we do? So, they didn't really have a whole lot of conquer, conquering and, and, and wars going on. So, what did they do? Well, they started building roads. They built infrastructures into, uh, into the highways and transportation systems. So you have this way of connecting. You know, you know, all the roads lead to Rome? Yeah, because they built them. <laughs> and so you have this infrastructure where things and communication can happen. And then 
The fifth thing, you have what it's called, it's kind of a fancy word, the diaspora. The diaspora. This is known as, it's a weird season where the Jews who didn't want this change of the Romans were forbidden from living in Jerusalem. It means, this word means you're, you're, you're spreading out, okay? You're spreading out. They were dispersed and spread throughout the entire Roman world. Now you may say, well, why is that important? We're going to piece it all together. It's kind of like when you, when you make something. One of the things my wife makes really well, she makes a lot of great things, but she makes jambalaya. I love it. And you got to piece all those things in together. I, I, don't, I don't know how to make it. I don't even know what's in it. I, I know there's rice and sausage and um, probably some water, probably some seasoning, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just, I eat it. I love it. It's wonderful. Okay, and she, she puts all this stuff in there and she, she uh, cooks it up and, and it's awesome. And so you, you take all these ingredients and it makes something amazing. Well, that's what we're gonna do here. We're gonna take those five ingredients of what God is doing in that period, those 400 years between the Old Testament and New Testament and figure out what's going on. So when you add all those things up together, you start to see the why behind the weight. You begin to see the why behind the weight. Have you ever wondered what the why, why is of your waiting? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Why is this happening? Well, we get to see this, obviously, with hindsight vision, okay, because of where we are in history. So, in those 400 years when people were wondering where, where God was and what he was doing, suddenly everyone for the first time can read the Bible. Now, the, the Bible at that time. Everyone who wanted to, who spoke Greek, who read Greek, can read the Bible. That is huge. Second thing. They were not, um, for the first time, they were not only allowed but encouraged because of the Socratic method to ask questions. Ask questions. And they ask questions to the God who is about to send them the answer. The answer is Jesus. And then we see the common language. The good news of the Savior, of Jesus Christ, could travel through a common language, through across roads and highways and infrastructure, through the Jewish people who were spread out in all of those areas outside of Jerusalem, outside of Israel. And so what God did is he set this up for when he sent his son Jesus on the planet and he started speaking, everyone could either ask questions, the word spread, that's how the church spread, they were able to, 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 to read what was going on. They were able to piece together the, uh, the prophetic word of this Christ, of the, this Messiah. And so he was getting everything ready. And the most important thing is this. The Romans brought in the crucifixion. They brought in the, the act of crucifying people on a cross. Probably one of the most important things to be brought in during that period. 
everything was lining up. Everything was just as it should be. Time became pregnant, and so did Mary. So what does that, what does that mean to us today? One of the things I love to do, and I, I, I don't always do this, I, I try my best, but I like to answer this question, what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with me? How can this be put in a real life story? Well, many of you know a little bit about this story and our, our, our story of our family. It was about 12 years ago when our family added another Christmas stocking to our fireplace labeled with a name of a girl who was not living in our home and a girl we had never met. God gave us a name and we began praying for this girl. We, uh, we filled out an application for an adoption. We did the home study. We did some work in, the extra, in an extra bedroom. We uh, secured some, some funds for an adoption. And we did all this stuff. And in the meantime, there were three children, brothers and sisters, on the other side of the world in Ukraine. And they were waiting. They were waiting in an orphanage. And little did they know, while they were waiting, we were working. Now, originally, we thought we would adopt one girl. We didn't know that when we went there, we'd fall in love with the whole family. And we, it's, it's a blind adoption, meaning you don't, you don't really know who you're getting, you actually go and, and, and you pick them out. They show you pictures and, and stuff. And then we, when we saw those three kids, in fact, I remember she's on, as soon as she saw the, the pictures, she goes, uh-oh. <laughs> Meaning, I think this is it. I think this might be the one. These, this might be the family that we're gonna merge with our family. And so while they were waiting, wondering what's going on, we were working in the same way, while you are praying and while you're wondering and hoping and asking and, and during your waiting, God is working. He's always working behind the scenes. Some of you right now are maybe in a holding pattern and it's not bringing peace to your life. It's not bringing peace to your life. You're waiting, believing, doing everything you know how to do, trusting God who says he can, yeah, but he hasn't yet. He hasn't. And you might be wondering, and these are just honest questions. You might have asked yourself, what did I do wrong? Or have I failed somewhere? Or is it a lack of faith? Or is there sin in my life? Or did I let God down? God, don't you care for me? Those are, those are legitimate questions. And let me tell you something. God can handle all of those questions. And it's okay to be honest with God. But I hope someone's here today and can in, in, in internalize this, that God's delays are not necessarily his denials. God's delays are not necessarily his denials. He makes sure you understand that. And so, 
Maybe it's just not time yet. Maybe the reason you're waiting on it is because it's not ready. God's still working on it. Now, when I'm saying you're waiting for things, I mean, you're waiting for things that, that you know line up with, with the will of God. Things like, you know, uh, people in your life that need to come to Christ, right? Um, you know, if you have, have a wayward child or and maybe you have a, an, an unsaved spouse or, or that kind of, those kinds of things that you're waiting for. If you lost your job, God wants you to have a job. Okay, he, he wants you to work and you're waiting for that job, right? Or maybe there's some marriage conflict or, or maybe there's some financial issues in your life. I mean, God wants you to be able to, uh, to, to meet your needs and give, you know, give to his purpose, okay? And I mean, he may not want you to have all the money that you want to have, right? But he wants to take care of you and build your faith. And right now, things are just really, really, really tight. And you're just praying, God, just... Get me through this. When, when am I going to have a breakthrough? That's what you're looking for. You're just looking for a breakthrough. And, and, and that's okay. But maybe you're just not ready yet. Maybe God, and here's another option. Maybe God is waiting for you to get ready. He may be working on it, but he also may be working on you. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> Why are you waiting? He said, God, what, what's happening here? What's happening here? He's got, okay, don't worry about that. Let's go to you. Let's go to you. Now, God, I, 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 I want this job. I want this career. That's great. But let's work on you. God, I, I, we want to have children. That's great. That's great. Let's, let's work on y'all. Okay. Uh, Lord, I, I, want, I want to have, uh, I want to be married. I want to have, you know, have a romantic life and, and spend my life with some, that's great, but let, let's spend some time working on you. Have you thought about that? I have. Absolutely, in, in, in my seasons of waiting. It's like, well, let's work on you, Frank. Let's work on you. Um, God will often do something in you before he does something for you. So don't waste the waiting. Don't waste the waiting. The waiting is important. God will often want to do something in you before he does something for you. Learn to depend on him like never before. Don't waste the waiting. I love what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, 4. It says this, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts, and this is important, who acts on behalf of those who what? Wait for him. Those who wait on him, the Bible says he acts on your behalf. He acts on your behalf. When does that happen? Right? I mean, I mean, last time I sat in the traffic in, in, in Emerson with this construction multiple times this week, I never had a construction worker come, hey, while you're waiting, can I just go pick you up something from Chick-fil-A? What would you like? Number one, Coke Zero? Got it. I'll be right back. Because that's about how long I stood in that, I mean, I was in that traffic. No, it doesn't happen. That's not the ways of the world. 
But we just saw in Isaiah that he works on behalf of those who wait for him. He acts on your behalf. When you, want, when, when you wait on God, he acts on your behalf. He wants to do something in you. His timing is always perfect. You can trust him. Just because he feels silent doesn't mean he's absent. Just because he feels silent doesn't mean that he is absent. Then here's an important question. (laughs) What if the God you're waiting for is waiting for you? What if the God you're waiting for is waiting for you? When you're focused on this, God's like, hey, let's focus on this. And he's like, hey, I'm waiting for you. You're waiting for me, that's great, but I'm waiting for you to align your life to my plan and then we're gonna work on this together and I'm waiting for you. It could be that the God you're waiting for could be actually waiting for you. Are there any things in your life that you know God's told you to take care of and you haven't? He's waiting for you. And he's not doing it in a mean way, okay? Not like my first grade teacher who did this, waiting for me to stop talking and turning around. And I know I was ADHD and I didn't have any medicine. They didn't know what it was back then or something, but you know, I was, I was a bad first grade kid and a second grade kid and a third grade. But you know, God is not waiting for you like that. Can I, uh, let me share with this. Uh, he's patient with this. Look at 2 Peter 3.9. 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Okay, let me stop there. I mean, as some understand slowness. Our, our understanding of slowness does not match up with God's understanding of slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That sounds like a loving God. That sounds like a loving God. Can I tell you something? You are just a prayer way from reaching out to God the Father. Can I tell you something? He's been waiting for you. He has. He's been waiting for you. Now, that, that wait looks a little different from most everybody in this room and watching online. It looks a little different. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've already accepted him, then he's waiting for you to line up your life and, or to do some things. And to, he's just getting you ready. Just like, he, just like in that 400 years, he's just getting things ready. If you're waiting for something, he's getting things ready. Don't waste the waiting. Trust in him. But at the same time, he most likely is working on something in your life while you're waiting. He's, work, he's working, you're waiting, and now he wants you to say, all right, let's look at you. We need to align your life. We need to do some things, whatever the Lord's telling you. And you know what that is. So it could be people like that. But 
God could be waiting for some of you to open the door of your heart and let him in. Open the door. You know, he's not going to bang a door down. He'll knock on the door, but he won't knock it down. God, God, uh, Jesus will not knock the door down. He's just simply tapping on the door of your heart. Do you know that some of you have been hearing, I believe, and some of you I know, because I've talked to you, have been hearing the knock on your heart's door. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. The very things you're waiting for, the peace in your life, the peace in your life, he's waiting for you to make him the centerpiece, the missing piece in your life. Because just like that puzzle picture, there's a big hole right in the center. It's that missing piece. Jesus is that missing piece. And so he wants you to open the door of your heart to him. And that takes faith. You're not going to understand it. You're not going to understand everything. If you understood everything, it's not faith. (laughs) If you understood everything, it's just not faith. And so I just want you to invite you to open your heart's door. Could could we bow and uh, close our eyes and, and let's just take this moment where... We're just reverent before the Lord. We just got a couple minutes. Just want to take care of this. Just no distractions, please. And just, I want you to just focus in on what I've said today. And I want, I want you to understand that, and I hope I put this across to you, that, that God is working while you're waiting. Each of us are waiting for something. And he's working. And in this season, There's maybe some turmoil. It's probably not peaceful. But what is something that he could be working on you? And so if there's something that that you know you need to adjust your life with, just tell him right now, Jesus, I I need to fix this. I I need to align my life to yours. I need to to fix this. Now, I'm talking to those who have accepted Christ as Savior. Now, those who haven't accepted Christ, there's nothing you can do to to win that salvation. You can't start fixing things without Jesus. That's very important. You can't come to Jesus fixed. (laughs) You've got to come to him broken so he can fix you and align your life. So, if you've not accepted Jesus... Just come before him broken. Just come before him broken. With no one looking around. If there's someone here today, so you know, Pastor Frank, I really need to accept Jesus. I need to open up my, my heart's door to receive Jesus. I need that peace. If that is you today, no one looking around, just simply raise your hand. Simply raise your hand. Just put that up. And if you want to just pray that prayer, a simple prayer like this. Say, Jesus, I give you my heart. Please come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin.
I want to live for you. I need your peace in my life. So I surrender it all to you. I come to you broken. In Jesus' name, amen.